Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley. It is an opportunity to worship the Lord this morning. So come to your feet from where you are. And let's raise our voices high and give God some praise. He is amazing. Come on. Sing it up. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all fear. Oh 
Amen, amen. Well, we are just beginning to worship the Lord together. And it's an opportunity, again, just to proclaim his goodness in all things, in all circumstances. So lift these words up. But you're going to wait a second, because what happened is I put my guitar capo on the wrong capo, so everybody's going to play in the wrong key. And that's what happens. Even online people, welcome to Sound Valley.
All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am made Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Come on, sing it up with me Let's sing about God's goodness All my life you have been
Amen. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we exalt your name. As we come into your presence, Lord, we pray that you would enter every place that is worshiping you this morning. We know that you are present. We know that you can move. We know that you can speak to hearts, Lord. So again, we pray just for an opportunity to be with you this morning. Lord, pray that we would cast out all distractions and focus on you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, we would hear your voice, Lord, and even those who don't know you, Lord, that you would draw them to you, you would remind them that they are precious, that they were created by your hand, that they are loved beyond measure, that you paid the ultimate price through the sacrifice of your son, and hearts would be drawn to you. People would want to know about Jesus Christ, Lord. And if there's any who are distant from you, maybe we're burdened and we're tired and we're worn down, Lord, we pray for your endurance and your strength, not our own, Lord. Pray that you would revive us and help us to have that passion to speak and proclaim who you are to a hurting world, Lord. Help us to be Christ-like examples to those around us, Lord. Help us to express love to one another, Lord. Pray that you would just grab a hold of whatever situations we are dealing with. Pray that you would grab hold of the situations in this world and in this country, Lord. Situations where fires are out of hand. Situations where racial injustice is out of hand. Situations where police are overwhelmed. Situations where families are struggling. Finances are difficult. People are hurting. Lord, there's nothing that you cannot overcome. So we call upon your name this morning. Help us to be reminded that you are a God who is good. You are a God who is amazing, full of grace, and that you are a God that is the most beautiful name, the most precious name, who sent your son, Jesus Christ, to a hurting world, Lord. So we thank you for this opportunity, and we give you praise. We exalt you in your name. Amen. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad that you're here. A lot of announcements, y'all, so we're just going to go right to it, okay? Today, September 6th, is our very first outdoor worship service at South Valley Community Church. It's going to be a wonderful time of praise and worship, growing in our relationship with God, and safely being in fellowship. The children's ministry is going to be operating in person for the first time in several months, and we're so excited for that, ages 3 through 6th grade. It's going to be sweet. We sent out a detailed email as well as posted that email on social media for you so that you can get to know the logistics of how to prepare for the experience that we're having for Sunday mornings for these outdoor services. So please make sure you check those things out. Things about parking, checking in, being safe as you engage in the service, things of that nature are going to be available to you. Now, if you are wanting to remain online and aren't quite ready to engage in person, that's okay too, because every Sunday... We're going to have a pre-recorded service available, just like this one that you're watching right now, available from uh, at 8 o'clock on social media, on YouTube and on Facebook. Our watch parties are going to be suspended temporarily. We are in the process of just revamping all of that. So when it's ready again, we'll let y'all know. The next announcement is for those of you who have registered for Rooted. The Rooted registration is closed already. So those of you who have signed up for it, you should have received an email from me on Thursday with all the information about your group. 
about information as to how you can pick up your books, all that stuff. You're going to need those books before your groups meet next week. So make sure that you refer to that email so that you know what to do. The next thing, oh man, last week Renewed Thrift Store opened. And if you're not familiar with Renewed Thrift Store, it is a wonderful ministry wherein you can buy new or like new items and then the funds received from that 100% in partnership with Lamore Christian Aid go toward buying food for needy families. It's a wonderful ministry right across the street from the church, you guys, next to Best Buy. It's an awesome location. So come check it out, you guys. We have the doors open Tuesday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then Saturday from 9 a.m. to 2. If you would like to donate to Renewed right now, we are accepting clothing at, for the time being just due to the space. We can't take furniture or anything like that, but it must be done by appointment only. And that's done by emailing Lerma. And we're going to put her email right up in here for you to have. So make sure that you capitalize on that so you can um, be able to, again, donate new or like new clothing items by appointment. All righty. The final thing is we talked to you guys through another announcement recently about the Church Center app. It's a brand new app that we're going to be using at SVCC to help people take their next steps with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of practical uses out of it that's super, super wonderful and super easy. Things such as signing up for events, requesting prayer, uh, signing in, pre-registering for or pre-checking in, excuse me, for children's ministry so you can beat the lines. Uh, the outdoor service, we're not going to have any sort of screens out there. So you could have, through the Church Center app, the lyrics to the worship song right there in your hands. It's going to be pretty sweet. It's also a way for you to be able to give. It's like never been easier to, to, to do so. So we're super excited about that. Make sure you download that app. Again, it's the Church Center app. And you can download that in your app store, whatever that is for your specific device. We are about to head into the rest of the service. If you have SVCC as your church family, I want to thank you again just for your continued giving. If you want to give, you can give through this, the Church Center app, or you can go to svcclamore.org and click donate at the top right-hand corner and give that way, or just bring it to the church office and just put it right through the safe, secure spot that we have there as well. You guys, I did it. I got through all of those announcements. It felt like 20 years. But we got through it. I hope that it was helpful. And I pray that you have an outstanding morning. Peace out, y'all. Have a good one. Well, good morning, church. It is good to worship together, to put on our lips words of praise about our God. It's good to stand and lift our heads and lift our hearts towards heaven and praise the person of Christ and His glorious work of salvation. It's good to be in His presence through His Spirit. And uh, welcome to the first Sunday of a new series and the first Sunday that as you watch this online, we are also gathering outside on our Lamore campus. And if you're online and not outside, good decision, okay? Uh, it is 110 degrees. There's smoke in the air, and it's already bad air. <laughs> So you've made the wise choice to listen online this morning. Uh, what's so amazing about grace? That's the new series. Um, I was learning in some reading I was doing this week about the sun dance ritual of the Native American Lakota warriors, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. And it was outlawed in 1904 by the U.S. government, but some tribes have begun to revive it. And here's what happens. Young Lakota warriors would fasten 
eagle claws their most sacred animal because it flies closest to the sun, and they would fasten the eagle claws to their chest, just dig them into their chest, and then straining against a rope attached to a sacred pole, they would fling themselves outwards until the claws ripped through their flesh. And then they would sweat in a lodge and pile high red rocks until the temperature becomes unbearable. And this is all done to atone for their sins. This is even more incredible. You can walk out of here this morning or you can switch off the online service knowing that your sins have been atoned for and you are right with God as your Father and Savior. This is incredible. In, in Costa Rica, devout peasants will crawl on bloodied knees across cobblestone streets to offer sacrifices to God. In the Philippines, devout men will whip their backs with reeds filled with sharp thongs to rip at their flesh and cause them to bleed. Painful self-flagellation. All this to ensure that they have forgiveness for their sins. Sufis will sit in frozen rivers or on red-hot fires, and they brand their bodies to display to their gods allegiance and penance for their sins. But this is even more incredible. By bowing your head and saying a quiet prayer of confession… You can walk out of here this morning or switch off our online service knowing that your sins have been atoned for, that you are right with God, and He has become your Father and your friend. This is incredible. There are Hindus in India who offer sacrifices of food and money, giving of what they have to feed their family or to live off, and they offer these sacrifices at shrines of the gods of smallpox and poisonous snake bites. And in most Islamic countries, moral police patrol the sidewalks with clubs looking for women whose clothing offends them or they dare to drive a car, and they are beaten up or locked in prison because they've disobeyed their God's wishes. And this is even more incredible. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more, and there is nothing I can do that will make God love me less. And you can walk out of here this morning, or you can switch off the online service knowing that you are embraced in the unquenchable love of God. Sometimes religion, sometimes the way we figure God is and how we live for Him, obey Him, serve Him, honor Him, can have us walking around with huge guilt trips, with regular spiritual depression, with a heaviness of heart. We're never good enough. We're never how God hoped we'd turn out. A Mencken once described a Puritan, so a Puritan is a, a God-fearing Christian, as a person with a haunting fear 
that someone somewhere is happy. And some days I've caught myself walking around with heavy gloom and a, and a weight feeling of, you know, does God, if, if God really found out what I'm like, would He really want me any longer? And, and sometimes too often I finish my day and I wonder, did I earn God's approval today? Too often I have this mindset, if I did more stuff for God, maybe God would like me more. But the innermost truth of the message of Jesus Christ and the central theme of the Christian faith is what has rightly been called amazing grace. Grace is the gospel. God has come in Jesus Christ to enable us to live in a relationship to Him with hearts as light as feathers, as light as a loving father with his child, a heart that is full of joy and has been forgiven, not with hearts that are beaten up with constant guilt, not with hearts that are overwhelmed with feelings of inadequacies, not with hearts that feel we need to earn or deserve any affection God may give us or any acceptance that God may show us. God came in Jesus Christ to enable us to know Him and to live in a relationship with a sense of freedom, of joy, even of fun. And maybe for many people here today, it's been a long time since you felt any lightness in your relationship with God. Maybe some of you have never felt a lightness in your relationship with God. And my prayer is that God, by His Holy Spirit, would awaken your soul to the truth and the wonder of amazing grace. Now, here's what's fascinating. Jesus never defined grace. He never gave a sermon on grace. He only ever told stories that illustrate grace. So, here's one for you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. And this is an interesting parable that I'm going to leave you to read because it's 16 verses and I want you to read it yourself. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a story about… Uh, this, these workers who are working in a vineyard, and the owner agrees to pay them a certain amount of money. And then later on in the day, he brings other workers all the way through the third hour, the sixth hour, and to the ninth hour. Right at the very end of the day, he brings some more workers, and, and they begin to work in the vineyard only for another hour or so. And when he then arrives to pay the workers… The guys who started at 6 a.m. and the guys who arrived at 4 p.m., they got the same amount of money. Oh, man. I love this story because at one time and at the same time, it infuriates me. And at the same time, it makes me laugh. I mean, this, the, the human side of me gets infuriated. This is not right. This is not fair. This is wrong. You mean those guys who worked for only one hour got the same wage as those guys who slaved for 10 hours? 
These guys only worked for one hour. They probably were up too late the night before or decided to take a long, slow breakfast, and then they were being lazy, they were being selfish. And no way they should get the same as the rest of the guys who worked from sunup to sundown. This is just plain wrong. It's rewarding lazy behavior. You see, you and I live in a society, in a culture, where grace is outside. You and I live in this society which doesn't like and doesn't do grace, and often neither do we. We want wrongdoers to be punished. We want the cheat to get his just desserts. Our culture is a grace-killing culture. Dog-eat-dog survival of the fittest. We encourage people, keep up the good work. Everything comes to those who wait. But those who work the hardest and the longest, they're the better. And I read this story that Jesus told, and I read it with human eyes. And it infuriates me. I don't like it. But at the same time, it makes me laugh. <laughs> and here's why. When you and I read this parable, we always read it from the perspective of those who worked the longest. We feel their injustice because we assume that in God's eyes, we are amongst those who work for 12 hours. But if I'm really honest with my own life, I have a much higher opinion of who and what I am than I should have. Maybe in God's eyes, we are closer to those who work for one or two hours only. Here's a line I was coaching some pastors with the other day. The most dangerous man or woman in the church is the one who forgot he or she is a sinner. Think of the really well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. It starts, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And then the second line, you need the second line. We're second line people that saved a wretch like me. You see, I, I make myself laugh because <laughs> I think I'm not a wretch. I think I'm good. I think God must like it. God must like me. My mom did. But the truth is, I'm a wretch. It's a 12th century old English word. It means a base, despicable, vile person. Your wife knows that about you. Your kids sometimes know that about you. But most importantly, you know that about yourself. I know the real me. You guys don't. I know the thoughts I have, the desires I have, the issues I have. Yep, I control them. Yes, I don't act on them, but they are there. They are inside of me. I am a wretch. So thank God for this story of grace. Thank God 
that he decides to be generous. Thank God that he's decided, it's my money, it's my mercy, it's my forgiveness, and I'll give it to the wretches that didn't get to work on time, didn't work a long, hot 12 hours, but turned up hoping for something at the last minute, because that's me, and it's probably you. Because I know I'm a wretch. This amazing story is not a reason to grumble at the unfairness of it. It is to sing at the joy and the hope that it gives us that this is God, and I need a God like this. I laugh, and I love this story because it redefines God, because the image I have of God sometimes like my seventh grade spinster teacher, Mrs. Letham. She, she always had a spittle from the top lip to the bottom lip. Even on the warmest of days in Scotland, and there's not many of them, she wore a long fur coat with a strange hat, and she always didn't like me. God is not Mrs. Letham my seventh grade teacher. Or God is not Mrs. Cowie, my dreaded piano teacher, who every time I played a wrong key, she whacked me with a wooden ruler across my knuckles. And for 12 years, as I went through piano learning, she was ruthlessly cruel to me. God doesn't stick to the job description. God apparently gets a kick out of playing hooky, breaking the rules, shocking the universe out of its socks. God is unpredictable. God turns up and God shocks us. He doesn't hold to the laws and the expected patterns of events. God does something completely contrary to how you and I think God should act. God turns up and He casts doubt on the importance of work. The very thought of that causes us to squirm. Make us work for what you want to give us, God. But here's the thing, folks. What God wants to give us is so big and so brilliant and so tremendous, we could never work hard enough or long enough or well enough to be anywhere near earning it. So, in a world of law and principles and cause and effect, work and earnings, God turns up with a whacking big gift and says, I'll do this because I want to. Let's turn everything on its head this morning. And it's not just the sun and the heat that's causing us to think crazy. You thought you found God. The truth is, God found you. This is the message of grace. I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, and I am going to read these verses. Listen in. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live 
when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Now, let me make the order real clear for us. I need you to pay real close attention to the language that the Bible uses here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, dead men, dead women can't do anything. We're dead. And the Bible is wanting to make something real clear with regards to finding God, knowing God, being saved, coming to have your sins forgiven, entering into a relationship with God. The Bible wants you to see very clearly dead men, dead women can't meet conditions. Dead men, dead women can't do anything. So, if you are to receive eternal life, if you are to know God, if you are to be saved, if you are to receive forgiveness, if you're to find God, God must act. God must move. God must do something because you and I are dead. And so, you see the truth. You didn't find God. God found you. This is incredible. This is exceedingly incredible. God did something that He was not supposed to do. God didn't let us stay dead. God came. God died. But God did not just leave it at that. God then gave us the gift of faith so that we could then receive the even greater gift, salvation. Remember, you could not do anything, whether it's grace or faith. God has to give it. This is the gospel. The gospel's brilliance and the gospel's depth and amazingness sits in the second line of the hymn. We were wretches. We were dead in our sin. We, you, me, anyone, we cannot reach God. But God has 
done it. He has given all around us. He's given us the gift of faith, and it breaks in. It breaks in through creation, in His kindness, in His truth, in His prompting of your conscience. It's there if we just look. God's grace is not hidden. God has never gone into camouflage playing a weird hide-and-seek game. God is there. God can be seen. And grace's first gift is the faith that she gives to enable you and I to reach out and take the salvation that God offers through the death of His Son, Christ. So, the Apostle Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Eagle claws on your chest and swinging on a pole, whipping yourself with chains, sitting on an ice-cold water or searing hot temperatures, walking pilgrimage after pilgrimage on your knees, memorizing the laws and waking up every day to try to work your way to God's favor, upholding the ten pillars of Islam, jumping through hoop after hoop to maybe one day do enough for God to welcome you. Or the amazingness of grace, the amazingness of living a new life with God, with something completely new to our way of thinking, God's amazing grace. Now, you have to ask the million-dollar question, why? Why would God want to find you? Does God need us? Is God not complete without us? And the text tells us, verse 4, because of His great love for us. This is the first preach in a series of four or six or seven preaches, but let me end this preach with a story. It comes from a book called The Whisper Test by Mary Ann Burt, and she writes, I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it. I was born, she writes, with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others, a little girl with a misshapen lip, a crooked nose, a lopsided teeth, and gargled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them I'd fallen and cut it on a piece of glass. Somehow it seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside my family could love me. This was, however, or sorry, there was, however, a teacher in the second grade whom we all adored, Mrs. Leonard by name. She was short, she was round, she was happy. She was a sparkling lady. Annually, we had a hearing test. Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class, and finally, it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at our desk would whisper something, and we would have to repeat it back. Things like, 
the sky is blue? Or do you have new shoes? I waited for those words that God must have put into her mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. Listen, people. In a dog-eat-dog world, in a time in our world where there's much anger and impatience, out of nothing other than amazing love, God comes to you with the amazing gift of grace. And grace's first gift is faith. Faith to hear that whisper. The whisper of God saying, I know your past. I know your mistakes. I know your issues. But I loved you, and I still love you. Do you hear? I'm looking for you. I wish you were my son or my daughter. And if you hear it, invite him in and know the salvation that grace provides. It is amazing. Let's pray. God, we bow our hearts, not quite able to grasp all or why you do what you do, but the resounding message of the Scriptures is that because of your love for us, you moved heaven to give us salvation. And in that act, you've reached out to find us, and you've given us grace, and in that act of grace, there's a faith to believe. May we receive that grace this morning, and in that grace, may we take the faith needed to trust you and to follow you and to begin to do our lives living out this amazing grace how it would change us and change our families and change our communities. Come, we pray, and make a way. Thank you that you have. Now let us live it out for Christ's sake. Amen. May God bless. And I look forward to speaking on the second part of this series next week. Take care.